Now, Eiffel Corp believes that digital solutions are the future as we face COVID-19 pandemic lockdown. Uh, founded in 1998, Eiffel Corp has enabled many businesses, universities, and colleges to pivot quickly to online teaching and learning. And this is in order to cope with situations such as COVID-19 pandemic, which is one we're currently facing globally. I'm on the line or on the show today, we chat to Miles Thesis, the Director of Digital Learning Services at Eiffel Corp. Miles, good afternoon and welcome to Two Oceans Vibe Radio. Hi, Ko. Thanks for the introduction. Uh, thank you, Miles. Now, I know that you've been involved in digital education for over 12 years in various capacities, and we thought that you are the perfect person to speak to in light of, of everything happening. Quickly, Miles, to kick this off, um, who is Miles and what is his uh, secret to success? <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've been involved in various fields, obviously, uh, related to digital education, um, but my background is actually uh, originally in IT and IT management. Um, and then obviously a lot of that time spent in the education field. So universities, business schools, um, and actually doing some teaching myself. So yeah, I've been doing in that, in that education field for some time. So um, it's all, all kind of added up to the experience I have today. Ah, thank you for that, Miles. Now, in a, in a period or in a time where nobody really knows what, what what, what tomorrow holds uh, in, in light of the, you know, the country and the education system and our economy and everything else. What is the immediate, for educators and students, what is the immediate concern? Uh, I think obviously, and I mean, maybe in some respects, uh, South Africa is actually, um, sorry to say, but we actually used to this because we actually, you know, live in a country where we actually had a lot of disrupted academic programs, you know, with the whole fees must fall issue. So unfortunately, maybe it's not really experience we want, uh, but, you know, in some respects, lecturers are to a degree actually kind of used to having to deal with it, certainly in the higher education space. So obviously it's, it's something new for certainly those at school level uh, and certainly in corporates and those doing corporate executive training programs. Uh, but I think there, there's been a, obviously a massive uh, shift in expectations of what people can expect to achieve. Um, with what's been going on. I think um, it's been obviously a lot of stress levels have been very high for various people because there's so much going on. Uh, there's obviously the stress related to the situation itself. Absolutely. Um, and then obviously for many people, you know, working from home, uh, trying, to, trying to use all this new technology, which um, I suppose you can't really call it new. We've always had it, but mm -hmm. we've never really had to apply it to this level. Um, so uh, I actually heard a really good term the other day, which uh, certainly has been used in the education fields, and they're calling it panagogy. Panagogy, as in oh, yes. we're panicking. How do we align our pedagogy to the current situation? Um, so I think it kind of aptly kind of describes everything. Um, but I think certainly what I've seen is that, uh, you know, obviously through this forced change, um, obviously it's, it's, caused people, it's, it's been caused for people to be quite innovative and obviously had to adjust to the change very quickly. Absolutely. So I think in some places, quite well in other places uh, people are still adjusting uh, but it's certainly giving people you know a, a significant opportunity to experiment and innovate absolutely i want us to zoom in in, in on the opportunities shortly miles but i think 
as much as there are many stressors right now and everybody's trying to figure out what to do and, and you know where to go i think the most important question to ask is how do we transition to online learning now you know um those who are not yet exposed to online learning are pretty much forced at this point uh, to, to you know to use different tools and platforms so talk us through the process of transitioning to online learning uh, for educators who's never had to use uh, tools or teach online um what is that process like so, I mean, it, typically, I mean, yeah, you know, without, you know, if we had to take the whole current situation out of it, um, I mean, it does, it does take some time for an educator, firstly, to kind of understand the fundamentals of digital teaching and learning. Yeah. So, you know, most, if you take a typical lecturer, for instance, um, he's a subject matter expert in his particular field, whether it be engineering or law or medicine, um, and he knows his subject well. Absolutely. Uh, but what you find is that, you know, few of those people actually ever studied you know, classical teaching and how to be a good teacher. And obviously a lot of that comes from an experience. So then to transition straight into sort of the digital space is again, another sort of big step from a technical perspective to understanding the tools. Um, but also it's a very different approach to the way that you educate people in that field. And then obviously there's sort of the varying degrees of that for schooling, for corporate education, vocational, whatever. So, there's a whole bunch of complexities that, uh, you know, that, that educators need to understand before they jump into it. And I mean, we've been doing uh, professional uh, educator development for many, many years now. Mm. And I mean, the key part of it, you know, when time is, is a luxury, unlike now, is that, um, you know, this whole thing is a bit of an art and a science. Yes, there's a theory mm. behind, you know, good teaching practices and there's a lot of frameworks you can apply. But also educators need to find their personal style and the way that they like interacting with their classes or their cohorts, whatever they might be. And that unfortunately does take a bit of time. Um, and you know, you can't learn everything about a piece of technology in such a short space of Absolutely. time. So Absolutely. It, it, does it does take some time to develop really good, you know, digital educators. So I think people certainly in the current situation shouldn't be too hard on themselves. Um, yes, they, they do need to pivot very quickly. Uh, yeah. And fortunately, a lot of institutions have a lot of support. Um, there's a lot of places doing some really good work out there, you know, even with the challenges in place. Um, I think they just, they, they need to keep trying to perfect what they're doing, uh, but also not be too hard on themselves and, and just try and do the best that they can with what they've got. I love that. I love it. Now, I know that you're an experienced developer and facilitator of training programs across multiple formats. So we're going to take your advice and trust that you are the best person to give us advice on the show this afternoon. <laughs> <Do my best. laughs> Miles, now, with the global lockdown, which has now become a reality, everyone is forced to work and learn remotely. And that really is, is what we're all dealing with. But I know that you, that, you, that you say that this can be seen as an opportunity for institutions and educators. Um, what are some of the opportunities that they should be looking at and identifying during this time? So obviously, I mean, the communication is key to everything that we're trying to do here. So I think uh, certainly as, as a group of educators, whether it be in a school or a university, I think they need to be communicating um, across their programs with all their colleagues. Uh, and I mean, certainly they probably would have been doing that to try and coordinate resources from a technical perspective for, so for like the RCT guys who making sure that everyone has access um, through to people teaching on similar programs. So just so that they, they're kind of developing and delivering things in a consistent manner. Um, also so that they're being kind of sensitive to the needs of the people that they're actually trying to teach as well. So, you know, if, you, if you're doing a university course and you've got six courses, um, you know, suddenly dealing with a significant amount of stress and change um, is going to be difficult on, on students 
Um, to the point I've, I've actually heard that some universities are rolling out um, uh, counseling sessions for students because it's such a high level of stress now with all the extra work yes. they need to do. Yeah. So communication is one. Um, I think that one's critical. Um, and then obviously communicating with their students as well, setting, you know, kind of setting low level expectations around what it is they actually need to achieve. Um, you know, not trying to, trying to, to force new types of new technology that they potentially haven't actually worked with before. Um, I mean, we, we obviously experimentation is good and we want people to innovate, but I think innovate with your practices, don't necessarily innovate with some new piece of technology uh, because there's already high stress levels. Um, our bandwidth is stretched to the limit as it is. Absolutely. Um, and introducing Absolutely. Some, some new tool or some new practice that you haven't tried before might be a bit difficult. So, Yes, I think it's about or, you know being, being yeah sorry no and I think overwhelming sorry, sorry. yeah sorry sorry Miles uh, yeah innovating with uh, the way that they they approach their teaching program and maybe you know we, again we've always advocated that people uh, many programs as you say are actually teaching uh, with technology to some degree really anyway so whether it was sort of really at the supplemental level where they were kind of only using the the learning management system they had in place or the Google Classroom just to have some content. Mm -hmm. I mean, to the ones that are fully online, all programs are, are using technology to a degree. So Absolutely. maybe it's just the point of extending that a little bit further where you can. Um, and then I'd say the last thing to do is try and create some structure as well. So, I mean, certainly uh, it's been evident certainly at the, at the school levels. I mean, what, you know, schools provide a lot of structure to young learners. You know, they have their very sort of segmented breaks, um, give children a lot of time to kind of express themselves in a sort of short bursts of effort. Uh, the same thing should be applied to kind of any learning program at this stage. Mm -hmm. So people can you know, kind of plan their efforts. Um, typically in the digital learning space, we always think of, you know, one, one, one hour of conversation, uh, one hour of activity in the real world can equate to you know four or five hours in the online space because it can mm. take that much longer to do so just be sensitive to that fact have that structure and and experiment but don't take it too far absolutely thank you thank you for sharing that miles i i can't imagine the uh the the stress that this is placed on 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 the various stakeholders and parties within the educational space um and my whole i, I think of the parents this morning i had a chat with one of my one of my uh my good friends and she's a parent and it's as if all the all this expectation to to you know use digital tools and, and online learning has just been dumped on her as a parent and she now has to sit with the kid and she hasn't been equipped or trained now i know that over the years uh, um eiffel corp has carefully developed thousands of digital courses and digital learning artifacts that can be used for learning purposes um what are some of the services that the company offers and and, and i'm sure at this point many many stakeholders would, would, would be uh, reaching out uh, to businesses like yours yeah, so I, I kind of mentioned the first one is uh, is that uh, professional development for digital teachers. So, yeah. you know, taking someone who might have a little bit of experience and we have a series of programs where we kind of start with the fundamentals of, of teaching and yeah. then link that to digital teaching. Um, and then it leads on to sort of more practical technical training around, you know, I have a specific tool um, and, and we're very agnostic in our approach. You know, we recognize that the school and a university and a business, for instance, they don't all use the same systems, but yeah. essentially many of those things actually work in the same way. So we work across platforms. Um, we, we are a Microsoft partner, but I mean, that doesn't guide everything we do. Um, we work with all types of customers and in different contexts. 
uh, and then we develop those educators so essentially they can become self-sufficient. I mean, that's, that's the, the mantra I always use within my team is that, you know, if we've done our, our, our job well, um, the client doesn't need us anymore. Um, so if, if we can say that after every single project, we know that we've sufficiently skilled the people we're training and they can do things on their own, which is really what we want to achieve um, in, in all factors. Um, then we do uh, comprehensive content development. So, you know, we'll, we'll sit with a lecturer uh, who might be teaching on a specific topic and we'll kind of help them understand what their outcomes are, um, their, the specific context of their learners. So we're writing and developing content the right way. So, okay. you know, we wouldn't write a digital course for, you know, people who are in a bank, for instance, as opposed to those who might be at a rural school. Um, they, they use technology in a different way. Um, the levels of understanding of technology are different um, and they're going to use it in a different way too. So it's important that we, we kind of get that context and that kind of guides how we build a lot of digital courses. And we've done everything from, you know, a single artifact like a video through to series of hundreds of digital courses that need to go fully online. So we kind of experience in that respect. And then, um, I mean, there's all sorts of different opportunities that pop up all the time. So, you know, we've got very capable development team uh, within Eiffel Corp. Um, we've got some very capable instructional design skills as well. So, you know, take into consideration all those different contexts, as I mentioned. Um, we do a lot of custom projects as well. So, you know, schools will come to us with specific needs, as will universities, um, you know, linking to specific pieces of technology that maybe they've developed in-house or that we can help them with. So I think we, we really cover a lot of the different spectrums. Mm -hmm. um, we also do things like originality detection, you know, uh, and ensuring that uh, you know, plagiarism isn't happening on, on things like assignments. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, the, the list goes on. So there's quite a bit. I mean, there's a lot in the digital field that we do and it's covered in our time. Of course, of course. I, I, I think a very valid question, an important question to ask in light, of, in light of the current situation, I think everybody's forced across sectors and industries, everybody's forced to adapt or, uh, I, I don't want to say, let's say adapt or suffer. Uh, what do you foresee as the as the as the as the near future when it comes to online learning? What are your what are your uh, predictions? So I mean, uh, you know, for for many years, uh, I mean, despite the the fact that most people have used it, certainly if you've been to university within the last you know probably fifteen twenty years, so it's been quite prevalent. Um, despite yeah. that fact, it's always actually been considered a bit of a niche thing. So you know, people use it for what yeah. it's needed, and then they don't they don't come back to it. So I think, uh, you know, certainly the value of what digital teaching can do um, is, is clearly being demonstrated. Um, there, there's also going to be a lot of retrospection within institutions and, you know, schools about the types of investments that they've made, um, what really works and what doesn't work, um, because people have now really been forced to use it and evaluate it firsthand. Um, yeah. So, you know... Typically, like schools, for instance, they have very limited budgets and sometimes, you know, the sales job is, is done better than the actual product if it succeeds. So I think there's, there's going to be a lot of that. People have that experience now. Um, they've, they've had to put things into practice. So they're really going to be able to cast a more careful eye on the types of things that they invest in. And not just from a resource perspective, but time and effectiveness as well. So, you know, for their stakeholders, did these tools meet my needs as a university lecturer? Um, and it's, it's given them that, that sort of really relevant experience now so they can actually also start making important decisions about their own practice and developments. I think it, it's obviously exposed the gaps for a lot of people to say, you know, actually, I, I thought that was a good online teacher or 
Uh, I thought our corporate pro training programs were quite comprehensive, but clearly now we see that they're actually not as good as we thought because you know, a lot of people are using them and they're seeing the gaps. Absolutely, absolutely. It has no doubt been a, 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 it has been a niche uh, a space or a niche service in, in, in light of, of everything and, and in light of what is happening now. Let's talk about the fundamentals of digital uh, teaching. I think many educators and, and, and um, institutions and decision makers are forced with this new reality of, uh, again, adapt or die. But what are the fundamentals of digital teaching? So I would say that um, this is very much uh, not a technology response. So I mean, yes. you know, for, for many, many years, that, that was kind of a pervasive response is, uh, right, well, we need to do digital teaching. Let's go out and buy the most expensive, fancy tool, because clearly that must be the best one, right? Yeah. We know yeah. that's not the case. Um, and then trying to kind of retrofit that to the needs of whatever our students might be or whatever it is we're trying to achieve from a training perspective. Um, but, you know, the, the, cap the capability of open source resources and that sort of thing, we now know that what's actually really more important is actually understanding, as you've said, there, the fundamentals of digital teaching and learning. Mm -hmm. So understanding, uh, uh, I mean, what, what a common thing that we do is we, we actually ask institutions, you know, what is your strategy? What is your teaching and learning strategy to start with? And then what component of that actually focuses on digital? So we actually kind of, we, we kind of re, uh, backwards engineer, you know, the way that they actually approach this to find out if the tools that they've acquired is really the right one for them. Um, and again, the context question also comes up as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, who are our learners? Where do they come from? What are their skills? What are their resources? What are their capabilities? Um, let's try and understand that before, you know, we kind of apply a, a digital teaching and learning strategy to meet that need. So I think before it was really kind of tools focused. Um, and again, that, that will come from this, you know, the current issues now. Now we kind of know who they are. Let's focus on those um, as fundamentals, as you mentioned, so that we can actually build something that really meets the needs of our stakeholders. Of course, of course. Now, uh, thank, thank you for that, Miles. I know that you believe that the current, and I, I want us to, to zoom in on this, you believe that this current pandemic or, or, or challenge, it's forcing businesses to investigate the limits of uh, a virtual working and teaching approaches. Let's talk about adoption. What happens if they do not adopt or adapt? Well, I think this goes to, I mean, this conversation was happening, you know, with the introduction of the fourth industrial revolution, really. So, yeah. I mean, I've done various talks, various places, and, you know, the, the, the whole threat of what is automation going to do to the workforce and the workplace. Um, so, I mean, everybody kind of gets into this kind of doom or gloom, which is not really that, uh, I think, that relevant. I mean, obviously, there's going to be some disruption. But I think... Um, I mean, the conversation was leading to the point where we were saying that everybody needs to reskill anyway. So, I mean, if, if you're a worker, uh, you need to kind of take individual responsibility for your own education. And then those people who are already in task with, you know, educating the next generation, uh, using digital education, we know that it's going to become kind of a medium of choice eventually, you know, um, to some degree. I mean, we're, we're never going to get rid of face-to-face -face teaching. I hope I don't ever live in a world where that's the case. But certainly uh, in fields like professional development, uh, people in sort of the workforce that need to gain new skills, or, or if you're kind of in the vocational industry and you need to acquire new skills for a new, either new project or a new industry, I mean, most of those programs, obviously now we're going to see are going to go online mm -hmm. because it allows you to reskill rapidly. 
uh, you know, the technology is available wherever you are through the internet. Um, it can include a sort of diverse focus on a number of different areas. And I should add lots of specialization as well. So I think this is after this process, we're going to see that more and more professional education is going to go online. So it's, it's really the task of the people kind of at the primary levels and at sort of university and college levels. You need to be teaching with technology because the byproduct of that is that not only are you teaching your print, your discipline, but you're teaching students to be uh, responsible for their own development in the years after they become a professional worker. Because technology is where they, it's the medium in which they're going to develop. And unfortunately, you know, those, those disciplines or people that don't have the, either the willingness or the skill to learn online um, and be self-disciplined in those environments, those are unfortunately going to be the ones who are most likely going to be, you know, subject to replacement by some automated process eventually. Because, Absolutely. you know, the technology is going to innovate and develop faster than they can reskill. So unless they're habituated to being able to learn fast in an online environment through several mediums, whatever they might be, they are potentially going to be left behind. So educators have to keep that in mind when they're teaching people now. Uh, absolutely. Thank you for mentioning that. You, you mentioned they, they're going to be left behind. And, and I think that's something very important to talk about at this point. Um, the conversation started years ago, and, and I think now it's just brought to light because people are, people's hands are forced. Various stakeholders are, are having to, um, to figure this out, um, and they don't have much time to do it. Quickly, Miles, the effectiveness of e-learning, for those who do not yet understand why it's important and how effective it is, uh, let's zoom in on, on e-learning effectiveness. Um, look, it's, uh, it, it is debatable, and I think there's, there's a lot of nuances to saying that. Uh, I mean, you know, in the hands of the right educator with the right program and the right content mm -hmm. and approach the same way, right way. Um, also, you know, bearing in mind the discipline of the learners, I mean, that, that kind of hits the sweet spot of where it can be effective. Um, you know, so the, there's various components to that. I mean, I, I don't think that, you know, we could, you could create the best e-learning program with the most amazing content. Um, but if you don't guide learners in the right way, it's not going to be an effective experience. Um, and it might even you know, be very negative and put them off the experience completely, which unfortunately we've got a long history of that because you know, things have been applied in the wrong way. Um, at the same time, you, know, you might have a disciplined set of students who are willing to learn, but if they're not supported in the right way by the educator, equally they're, they're going to have a, a very negative experience. So I think it, it requires that a lot of kind of moving parts come together in the right way. Um, but certainly for what it needs to do and its, its ability to kind of democratize access, I think e-learning is, you know, I mean, it's, it's now, it has been here for a long time. Um, it's going to go through a sort of another level of innovation now that we've needed to use it this way. Um, people are gonna understand it more and understand the ways that it needs to suit what they do. Mm -hmm. You know, so whether you're an institution or an individual, you, you can now make decisions around what you actually expect from the person teaching you through digital. Um, as an educator, you kind of, you've now experienced what it is to teach this way and how you need to be a better educator. And for corporates, <clears throat> I mean, they, they, many of them have been doing this for a long time already anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you kind of understand what the costs are going to be involving developing um, really good programs that actually meet the needs of your workers and, and the speed at which they need to develop so they can actually meet those business challenges when they arrive. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, Miles. Now, I think the next step, once we've identified the, the challenges and the, the immediate opportunities, the next step is understanding what strategy we should put into place. I know that's what uh, Eiffel Corp um, offers or is, is, is known for. Um, let's talk around strategy development. What is the next step for those who are only you know, adopting the technology or the, the tools now? What is, what is the process for developing strategy? So I think certainly once, you know, we, we're all sort of back to normal, whatever that might be. Um, yes. I think there, there will be a, kind of, there will be a whole lot of reflection, hopefully, uh, within organizations to kind of say, well, this worked and this didn't work. So there'll be that kind of, uh, you know, all those decisions around what technology investments will make made will come out in the wash. So and that reflection will be important because then that will help them kind of develop plans for the future. Um, and then I think, uh, you know, people are going to really think about what kind of development plans they need to make for themselves in future um, so that they can kind of plan for that process. Um, and organizations, again, are going to evaluate, did it meet the needs of our stakeholders and our students? Uh, is there anything we need to change? I mean, if, if there's anything, the, the one piece of advice I could give is that I think organizations do need to start small, start at the basics. Um, you know, don't try and achieve too much uh, with you know, your limited resources, try and do one thing well, try and meet the needs of one set of stakeholders really well, or your main stakeholder, whether it be, you know, your university students or, you know, the school, school children or whoever it might be, and then go from there. Um, uh, you know, seeing this whole big picture, um, you kind of get stuck in the details. So I think it's, it's going to be key that they're kind of trying to, you know, try and focus on meeting those needs. I also think that's, uh, they'll need to listen to the voices of the people that were on the front line. So, you know, mm. in schools, that's going to be the teachers, you know, what things, what, what things did they try that didn't work and how can we work that into, uh, you know, our future plans. So, you know, heaven forbid, we are not involved in another situation like this in future, but should it happen, you know, how can we quickly pivot to a place where we're actually capable again? Um, and then in, speaking to the point of, um, of choice and experimentation, I think it's, you know, we often forget um, that the, the people best placed to make these decisions are the educators themselves. So I think we need to, they've certainly now had the experience of what can happen um, when we, we don't plan enough, uh, but making tools available, uh, supporting them when they need it. Um, and as I said, you know, because it's a bit of an art and a science, allowing, giving them room, uh, certainly in the way that like, the teaching programs are structured, um, in the way that the, the tools are accessed, uh, maybe even you know how they how how they plan with the resourcing to acquire some of these things, so that they can kind of decide on how to develop and solve these solutions themselves. Absolutely. You know, as opposed to the, these are the limited things we have, make it work with that. Um, you know, allowing them to really run programs on their own now that they have all this experience which they can apply. Absolutely, absolutely, and and I think I think there's a blessing in all of this because many. Many uh, uh, stakeholders, whether they're corporates, uh, uh, um, educational institutions, they're realizing that we should have we should have transitioned or adopted or, or at least been prepared uh, for something like this. Now, I want to take this down a notch, Miles. I've, I've heard many uh, parents and I've heard many students and I've had diff you know heard various uh, different uh, people in different levels in in, in the system um, either panic or have absolutely no idea what to do. I quickly want to get your advice to, um, to different, different groups of people, to educators who are now having to, to, to teach of using online tools and they've never done it before. And I, I think that's the case of many educators. What is your advice to them? 
Um, so I think, yeah, as we kind of mentioned it as I think it's yeah. start with things that are simple and reliable. Um, so, I mean, you know, like I said, this is not the time to now roll out some fancy tool that somebody recommended. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe, maybe that worked for them at that time and they had the time and resources to plan it. But I mean, you know, uh, you know, look around, see what other people are using, um, you know, go to blogs and kind of get a little bit of consensus there and decide amongst yourselves or as a group that you're going to sort of standardize on one particular platform or one particular approach um, so that, it, you know, you, you can rely on that now. That, I mean, you certainly don't want to be trying anything new. Um, then I also think that, uh, as you mentioned before, just building that structure into anything you're doing, you mm. know, um, so that there, there's you allow time for yourself because, uh, you know, so like we've seen what a lot of school, school uh, teachers are doing at the moment is they've had to very quickly develop resources for kids to kind of, you know, complete. Absolutely. Um, so if you provide sort of like a structured unit or measure of effort, uh, it kind of gives them some idea of what it is they need to do. So, I mean, I've seen instances where, you know, kids are dumped with content, which they clearly could never complete on one day, you know, because uh, unfortunately the teacher hasn't taken the time to kind of understand the level of effort required to, to, to do that. Absolutely. If they're sitting on their own and, you know, the parent is helping them. Yeah, absolutely. On the other side, I've seen where... Yeah, yeah I'm listening. Uh, I've seen where uh, you know some teachers are, are clearly they they're putting one or two exercises together and, and you know kids are finishing that in 15 minutes and say you know now what else? So again, th this all comes down to practice and experience with this. Of course. Um, but I mean, again, if you can do this collectively as a group, or you know, um, it, it's going to be much easier for people to eventually for themselves to develop and also for you know the intended audience to consume as well. So I think that's definitely what you need to do. And then. Um, we also mentioned it earlier as well as, I mean, I think communication, I mean, communication Absolutely. on a consistent basis. Uh, I mean, one of the things that we advocate a lot in AfroCorp with uh, lecturers and teachers is uh, colloquiums. You know, I mean, that's, that's mm. the academic term. You can call them something else, teaching meetings or um, yeah. sort of practice meetings. Uh, even corporate trainers can do this is, you know, decide on, you, you've obviously got, you've gained a whole lot of skills. You've tried a bunch of things. Now share that experience with other people. You know, tell them what didn't work. Tell them that you had this specific approach. You tried this idea. It was really good and we want to hear about it. Um, maybe there's a tool that you applied. So I think, you know, use this opportunity. There's, there's lots of sort of uh, experiences kind of disguised as professional development happening here as well. Um, use those opportunities amongst yourselves uh, because, I mean, you know, you, you're not, you don't have to deal with this problem on your own. I mean, educators across the entire globe are going through this challenge right now. Absolutely. Um, so the other, other piece of advice I think is that, I mean, there's a lot of blogs happening. Uh, you know, there's a lot of very, very, uh, very experienced digital educators out there who are, are blogging on the issues are recommending certain tools uh, that, that actually have practical application now. I mean, because the, the, the crisis is moving so quickly and people are sharing a lot of ideas, uh, we're actually sh seeing a lot of the experience being shared online. So you quickly get an idea of things that work and what don't work. So, I also say, you know, see what else is out there which is working and that's what's working in your specific context too. Absolutely. And scrap the things that are not working. Another group of people, uh, Miles, that I think we, we, and I don't know if either of us are best suited to advise those, that group of people, um, are parents. Parents who are suddenly having to teach their kids. They've now become parent and educator. Um, and I mean, the few, I mean, the few, I mean, the few, the few friends 
by the fact that they now have to, you know, have school time and, and, and they now have to teach the kids and parents are sending lessons to them to teach the kids. Now, this is public school or parents who are, 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 are um, parenting kids or, are, you know, public school. And so a lot of this is new to them. Uh, for that parent's sanity, what is your advice? And again, I don't think either of us are the best uh, people to give advice, but what do you say to those parents <laughs> just to stay calm? Yeah, no, I, I mean, uh, I've got a little bit of experience of it. I mean, my, I've got two kids, uh, you know, primary school, and so we're having to deal with these challenges. So as you mentioned, you, you've got a whole lot of work to do yourself, and you know, now you're having to jump into the school learning program to see what they're doing. Um, but, you know, in some respects, I think this is actually a, a positive thing. Uh, I mean, you, you know, many teachers often complain that, you know, parents don't understand enough about what their, their, what, sorry, what their students are actually learning. Um, yeah. Parents aren't paying enough attention to the homework that children need to do. So, I mean, this is actually a actually really good opportunity for, student, for teachers, uh, sorry, for parents um, to, to actually understand more about the learning programs that their kids are going to. Um, in terms of being able to deal with the challenges, so I mean, I think we're all going through this problem, is again, I go back to that sort of structure thing. You know, schools typically, they give, they give uh, students a lot of structure in their day. They start at a certain time. Uh, activities are, are timed in a certain way so that it, it kind of gives uh, best opportunity for the energy levels that children typically have, you know. So I think parents have to try and stick to that. I mean, one strategy that we're using in my household is that you know we make our kids get dressed in their not quite their school uniform but their sports uniform. Um, they have a desk in their room, you know. Um, so mentally they are going to school. Yeah. They may not physically be going there, but you know they're mentally preparing for the time where now it's school and they have to start studying. Um, uh, we are fortunate that they're a little bit older. I think there's a significant challenge for people for kids that are younger. Um, you know where uh, you know the the, the teachers have to spend a lot of time keeping those children busy and there's a sort of lot more uh, kind of developmental activities and things like art and painting and things like that. Uh, but certainly at the high levels, um, I think there's some great applications going on with free tools like Google Classroom. So again, providing that structure to kids saying, you know, school starts at the same time, it ends at the same time, we can mirror the break times as well. But for that time that you're at virtual school, you know, you're required to be at your desk and doing what you can do uh, with the exercise that being provided, and I think a lot of teachers are certainly within the last two weeks, things things have ramped up, you know. Um, so that, uh, and, and I mean, I have to come in government here. They are coming up with some ideas on what they can do to try and save the academic year. I know some of them are not that popular, and that's what's going to happen. We are making a few missteps here and there, uh, mm -hmm. but at the very least, there's an effort, and you know, people are innovating, and that's trying. We don't, we don't. We don't uh, create a masterpiece without breaking some eggs. So, again, this, th I think that is going to happen. I think people have to be just patient with that, um, and we, we will find a way to this. But certainly, I mean, a lot of schools are making a big effort, and I think uh, parents kind of have to help the teachers through this and be patient uh, and try and provide as much support as possible. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Miles. I don't think many of us are speaking to parents, and, and really they, they've got a... Uh, really a, a, a big weight placed on them at this point. Now, I know that uh, Eiffel Corp, before we wrap this up, and um, again, we, we, we are, I think all various groups are trying their best to, to ensure that the academic uh, year is rescued and corporates are obviously trying to transition and adopt um, e-learning as, as fast as possible. And so we, we are very cognizant of the fact that 
you know, every single industry has been, has been um, affected and is challenged to figure this out. And now I know that Eiffel Corp, uh, your, T, your TXT or your DTX unit program is perfectly suited for this purpose. Um, and this will be, uh, or aids any educator to take what they need and translate that into personal action plans and activities, which I think is very important um, and, and, and for educating learners. Um, contact details uh, or more information, Miles, where can we go to get more information on, on the services and the product that uh, uh, Eiffel Corp offers? Um, and also just to get in contact. I know that you offer consult, you consult, and then you offer a, a development of learning program with the host of other service. Uh, so please share contact details and, and, and how we can get in, in contact. So I think, yeah, the best place is obviously our website. Uh, marketing teams have done, done a great job there. Um, so you can get in contact uh, just through our, our info at eiffelcorp.co.za. Um, or people can email me directly. I'm, I'm miles, M-Y-L-E-S, at eiffelcorp.co.za. Um, and then we, you know, we, we're on LinkedIn very often. Uh, we're on Facebook. Um, we also tweet a lot. I, I tweet in my personal capacity when I find time these days. Um, so yeah, I think we, we, we're obviously very um, present in the media space. Um, so I think in any one of those areas, uh, and I mean, the, the marketing team obviously does focus on specific campaigns. I mean, our DTX is quite new uh, and we're going to be launching a lot more products and services very soon. So you know, just looking out on uh, most of the social feeds. I mean, like I said, Twitter is probably one of the most prolific ones that we're on. So anything there, I mean, just comment on it uh, or just send us a, an instant message or DM or something like that. We'll happily reply to you. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much. Well, now in a world where, or in a, a world where we are, we are faced with uncertainty, uh, there are those people, and I firmly believe this, there are those people who's gone ahead of us, who's figured things out, and who are the best people to give advice, um, especially during times of, of crisis. And we have no doubt that Miles Thies is one of those people. Uh, Miles, thank you so, so much for chatting to us on the show here this afternoon. Uh, we appreciate and value your insight. Great pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much. So guys, we have loads more coming up right here on Two Oceans Vibe Radio. Again, this is the show where we zoom in on the most important um, topics for of discussion in South Africa. It's the show where we cut through the noise and bring in the best of the country, more importantly, dissect and discuss and di uh, debate um, a business in, in South Africa. So stay tuned as we bring you more right here on Two Oceans Vibe Radio. And this, of course, is your feel-good business show. I'll see you right after this. <laughs> 